book, we go in reverse. So we started in Matthew 6 and 7, and now we're back to 5 here. Matthew 5, starting in verse number 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this mighty sermon and powerful sermon that you uh, preached all these years ago, it still lays a blow at the heart of mankind. I pray that as we begin to, over these next several weeks, study this sermon, Lord, I pray that we heed the call that is even laid before us this evening to get off of our own pitiful throne of our own hearts and fall down and beg you for a spiritual refreshing. Give us a fresh awareness of how broke we are. Let us flee from our own feeling of self-worth. May we despise the pride of self-accomplishment and look heartily upon you, wholeheartedly upon you. Lord, let us glean from your word this evening. Draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This evening, with the Lord being our help, the focus will be on verse number one, or verse number three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No one can see the need of people like Jesus. Matthew here grips the reader and grips, grips the hearer with the verse number one that's presented before us that, and seeing the multitude, he went into a mountain when he was set, his disciples came unto him. This is to say that, and when the Lord seen the multitude, he, he not only seen them numerically, but when he seen the multitude, he seen the numbers need. He seen this, Emotion, this feeling, these pains, these agonies, these troubles, these things that they were fighting in their own society. 
And when he seen the numbers, he seen their need, and he went up into the mountain not to flee from them, but to prepare himself to deliver this great message of encouragement to the world, to the society, even to our day. Here he was standing on the hillside, on the mountainside, there in Capernaum, preparing to preach one of the greatest sermons ever preached, preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. And here as he was preparing to preach, he was preparing to deliver a message that would help to bring hope and to answer the need of the society that was before him. When we read Malachi, we understand that it was after 400 years of silence were introduced to Matthew. But when we read Malachi, we see that sin had began to run rampant amongst God's people. Not only had sin run rampant amongst God's people, but the prophet Malachi began to not only condemn the people, but he, he condemned the priest of the Lord. He said, you guys have, what he said, they had, um, they had failed to commit themselves to teach the truths of God's word. Malachi's charge against them was that they were profaning God's word. Even more, he begins to speak to the people there he said, not only is the priest profaning my word, but you guys are living unto your own self. He said, you guys have become so self-centered and focused on your needs, your so-called needs, your desires, your wants that you have set out to achieve them in any manner possible, even to the point that you have began to rob me. He said, wherein have you robbed me in tithes and in offerings in the closing of malachi god re, uh, the the prophet malachi god told malachi remind them of the commandments that i gave moses and remind them of the ramifications of what will happen if they do not heed these commandments the issue that the children of israel struggled with in malachi Though 400 years of silence has now passed, when the message is being preached here in Matthew chapter 5, the problem has not changed. God's people, his chosen people, Israel, were living in a self-indulgent way. They were focused upon their disease, their desires, their needs. It was not only that the priests were dishonoring God, but they had begun to promote their own agenda. This is what happens when the people of God take advice from the world about how to handle the things of God. They begin to try to mix it all up. The priests dishonored God and profaned God's word because God's word no longer satisfied them. It no longer brought joy in their hearts, so they began to take the advice of the world, and when they took the advice of the world, it was at the cost of the truth of God's word, and when the people here in Israel began to move with their own hearts, it was all for one simple thing. We all know what it was, right? 
the reason that the priests profaned the word, the reason that the children of Israel did not heed God's word, it was because they was a, a generation in where they lived in any manner that they could, trying to find their own happiness. So here on the hillside of Capernaum, the Lord addresses a problem that had been going on for centuries. God's people were living in the manner that they chose to live so that they could achieve what they believed was happiness. Here he tells the people uh, that blessed are the poor in spirit. Word blessed meaning happy are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We understand when the first two verses are laid out before us that the disciples came up unto him and he opened his mouth and he began to talk, teach them. But the multitude was still very present with them. It is often said that this sermon was spoken into the ear of the church, but it was overheard by the world. The whole world was the recipients of this message about how you can find happiness in this life. So when we start off here, the, 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 the gate to the Beatitudes is what we call them, the gate to understanding how to achieve happiness in this life. The very first step in achieving happiness is the person who is happy, who is first in understanding that they are poor in the spirit. Now Jesus is telling us not that we have to live like this in order to be saved. He's saying that this is the manner in which a believer lives because they are saved. Conduct will always be the outflow of character. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What is this sermon all about? The Beatitudes, it's about perfect blessedness. It's about being happy, but not in the manner in the world puts happiness together, not in the way that the world poses happiness. This is counter to the culture. It lays the axe to the root. I can imagine in a society that was struggling to find happiness as the multitude followed Jesus when he said, Blessed is, they say, who is it? Who, who is this that can be happy? How can we be happy? Blessed is, blessed are the poor in spirit. I wonder as they heard the great physician began to explain what happiness looked like, how it not only countered their culture, but it counters our culture today because there is nothing in our minds that seems joyful about being poor in spirit. Matter of fact, we despise the word poor. We don't even like to have it in our vocabulary. It doesn't bother us if we're talking about someone in a third world country. But when it's about our own personal finances, the word poor is not a joyful word. So according to Jesus, we see who is blessed. Is it blessed is the one who's courageous? Blessed is the one who is wise. 
Blessed is the one who is rich. Uh, blessed is the one who is the intelligent, funny, and attractive actor. We always say that when somebody's like, wow, they're so witty, they're so funny, it seems like they're so smart. They are truly blessed. But that's counter what the Lord is about to tell us. Matter of fact, history has proved to us that being courageous is not an attribute which means that you're blessed. Alexander the Great conquered the known world and sat down and wept because there was nothing else to conquer. But yet he still had all this courage, right? Yeah, he was a courageous, uh, he was a courageous warrior, but it didn't give him happiness. What about that intelligent, funny, attractive actor? We've seen this even in our own society. Uh, that, that, that actor who for decades made people laugh, made all kinds of hilarious movies, captivated the audience. And his, what's that guy's name? Robin Williams ended up committing suicide. Boy, he made everybody laugh for 30 years. All the funny movies, all the stand-up shows he did. He had people roaring, made him millions, but he was not happy. What about the rich? This past week, we stayed in a little community that uh, was on Lake Erie. It was a wonderful time. But one morning, me and Lauren went out on the deck, and as we're out on the deck, these neighbors were arguing. Now, we had already said to each other, like, this is a beautiful place, but it would cost you a fortune to live here. But the neighbors, they were all arguing. This neighbor's arguing back and forth. This one's coming across the street arguing with this one, saying, why can't you just be a good neighbor? Well, later on in the afternoon, I went down to the, the beach, and as I was standing there at the beach, the man walked by, and I said, see, you guys are all getting along. You're really selling me about living here. He goes, don't ever live here. He said, we hate each other here. If you live here, you will just be miserable. I'm serious. Don't ever get involved with it. I laughed. I said, then why are you still here? He's like, because I'm still paying on it. All the money to buy this beautiful place, and they're still not happy, still unsatisfied. You see, the Lord is about to teach us that happiness is an internal dealing. It is something that is from the inside out, not from the outside in. You cannot buy happiness. You cannot attain it. You cannot gain it. You can't do nothing to get it. But here the Lord teaches us that happiness, the one who is happy, what we'll see as the Lord allows us to move through these next 12 verses over the upcoming weeks is the Lord said, happy is the one who is poor, lowly. Happy is the one who is sad. Happy is the one who is hungry. Happy is the one who is mistreated. These are who is blessed. At first glance, we're taken back in our minds trying to process that blessed is the, are those who are poor in spirit because this is the counter, the unregenerate philosophy of the world. Yet blessed are the poor in spirit and the blessing is also uh, attached to this statement. The Lord said, happy are those who are poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what they have. Now, this word, blessed, 
comes from the Greek word patachos. Now, this means to shrink. This means to cower. This means to cringe. So when he says, blessed are the poor, I don't want you to walk away from verse number three and say, the Lord is saying, happy is the one who knocks their pride down a few notches. Happy is the one who humbles themselves a little bit. That is not what the Lord is teaching. It's much more. He said, blessed are those who shrink, those who cower, those who cringe. This doesn't mean just to knock our pride down a notch. In Luke chapter 16, uh, in verse number 20, we're kind of given a greater insight about what this word, because it means because it's illustrated to us. Luke chapter 16 and verse number 20, it says, And there was a certain beggar, there's Patatros, named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. The Lord is saying here, Blessed is the one. The illustration is Lazarus at the gate, poor, destitute, relying upon someone else to sustain him. Blessed is the one, happy is the one who is this kind of destitute when it comes to the spiritual matters of their life. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus said a person who lives like this is spiritually blessed. One who lives like that is happy in his spirit. How can that be? Because you have arrived at the place that you need to be. It is the internal and external confession that you have no ability to support what your spirit needs. When he says blessed is the poor in spirit, paint this image in your mind. When you was a beggar in the Old Testament, what commonly happened was that you would put your face in your hands and hold out your, uh, put your face in your arm and hold out your hands as you begged to cover up your face from embarrassment. You was in a place of complete destitution. If no one gave, then you would not receive aid. When the Lord says that blessed is the one who is poor in spirit, it is to say that when it comes to the spiritual needs of our life, we are blessed when we sit down and recognize what we need this world cannot give. It's a blessing thing to sit down in the place and realize that we know who can supply our needs. And we reach out to him and cry out to the Lord and cry out to God to help meet our needs. Blessed is this person who knows exactly where to go to get help. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, the world offers up to us today that if you don't find happiness here, try this. If you don't find happiness here, try that. You deserve to be happy. How many times have we heard that? You deserve this. You deserve that. But what the Lord is teaching us here, that when we are completely dependent upon him, when we will bring ourselves to that kind of humility, Jesus says the man or woman who realizes this will be found happy because they 
are relying on the Lord for sustenance. Now, Jesus says, happy is the person who have had their eyes opened to see that you don't have to live life pursuing after all this wealth. Isn't it exhausting to watch people who will give every minute, every hour, if they ain't at work, they're watching videos about how to get rich. If it ain't how to get rich, it's how to bamboozle somebody else to, in the end, make you rich. People will dedicate every waking minute of their life trying to figure out how to get prosperity. It is exhausting. But we're happy and we're blessed because we realize that even if we had wealth, it doesn't make us happy. It doesn't give us what we need. Now, this is, there's no condemnation here about a Christian having wealth. There's no condemnation here. The condemnation is when the Christian's wealth is what makes him happy. But a Christian's wealth, if it's what makes you happy, the Lord challenges you that maybe you've never experienced true happiness. Even more, he says, says here, we don't have to live a life pursuing wealth. We don't have to live a life pursuing good works. You don't have to live our life pursuing the things of the world in exchange, pursuing the things of the world to enter into the kingdom of God. He said, no, the poor in spirit, they've inherited the kingdom of God. It's like the song that Augustus Top Lady wrote. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. It is a place of complete humility, brokenness. And crying out to the Lord, happy in the man, happy is the man or woman who has realized that the world's philosophy is wrong. They say, sit upon the throne. You're the king of your life. You're the king of your Run your life. Believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, you will achieve because you believe. He says, happiness, the blessed man is the one who has stepped down from the throne has exalted Christ upon the throne. The first statement we see in the Beatitudes is one of great humility because no one can receive access to the kingdom unless they first realize they are absolutely unworthy of access to the kingdom. You see, the problem that plagued the children of Israel in Malachi's day is the problem that plagues us today. And when I say us, I don't mean just the world. I mean us as believers today. This plagues us. We are captivated. We have hung our happiness upon the things of this world. The inspiration for our excitement and our enjoyment is is hung before us by the world. Oh, they look so happy. I, I wish I could have that. What is that? Revelations chapter. Let's look there real quick here. Revelations. I think it was three. Uh, yeah, three revelations. I don't know why I stopped in Ephesians. Oh, apparently today is not a revelation day here. Revelations, I think it's chapter three, when the Lord was talking to the Laodicean church. You probably remember what he says to them there. In verse 17, because thou sayest, now he's talking to believers here, right? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods 
and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You think you're happy because you have money, but you haven't experienced happiness at all. You're actually in a miserable condition when your joy is based on earthly possessions. You may fool yourself with the highs and lows like, well, I feel immensely blessed because the Lord has given me a raise. Well, praise the Lord for it. But that's not the source of our happiness. That's just proof that God takes care of his children. But even more, he says here that until pride dies in us, Christ cannot be enthroned in our hearts. And if pride has never died in our hearts, then Christ has never reigned in our lives. You see, when we die to pride, when we die to self, Christ is exalted in the manner in which he should be. When we enter into the presence of the Lord, oftentimes what we see, even what we see in 317 of Revelations with the Laodiceans, and we see it today, too many times Christians enter into the presence of the Lord and they proclaim that they're happy, they proclaim that they're satisfied, that they have joy, that we're in need of nothing, that God is taking care of us, and yet they're in desperate need all the more. It seems that at times that Nothing can affect a sinner anymore. It does feel that way. Saved or unsaved. It seems that no matter what you do, nothing can make one repent. Nothing will bring a believer to a place where they recognize who they are before the Lord. Sinners will have sin in their life and don't want to repent simply because they do not want to give it up. And don't understand why they are not happy. <laughs> because they are reigning in the throne of their hearts. They have chosen their own sin, yet they, or even to live in sin, and yet they have been spiritually enlightened to know that they are in sin and yet refuse to give up their sin. Part of being poor in spirit, part of this broken situation being poor in spirit is not only the understanding that you are nothing and he is everything to enter into the kingdom, but being poor in spirit brings us to the place where we understand who we are before him. And when our pride is great, we find ourselves to be great before him. Let me give you an example. Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah found himself before the Lord, he had found himself in a place where he was poor in spirit. And when he seen the Lord for who he was, and when he seen the Lord for whom he was, he said, Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. He leaped from the throne of his own heart. He leaped from the world of self-promotion. Some would have said, come on, you're a prophet. The Lord has called you to be a prophet. You're a mighty preacher. You're, you're all of this. But that is how the world views positions. Isaiah said, how I viewed myself before him was that I was nothing. and He was everything. And when I seen his holiness, I seen my sinfulness. You see, it is the position of pride in our heart 
that causes the believer to not repent of their sins. Pride is what keeps us from getting things right with God. And, we are, and that's even more why we're all the more most miserable. You see, it is only the regenerated heart that can see who they are before God because in salvation, he is made Lord of our life. But foolishly, it seems that not long after the things of this world call us to sit back upon the throne in which we once proclaimed that the Lord was the Lord of. And happiness begins to run havoc again in our life constantly. But those who remain with themselves off the throne and those who remain with Christ on the throne, there is sweet happiness. They are truly blessed. And I believe that one who is so proud, one who is so arrogant, when God intervenes in their life, no matter how proud, no matter how arrogant, I believe, though it may not be a light shine down from heaven or thrown from the horse, I believe in our own lives it is, a, is equal to a Paul moment, a Saul moment. When God intervenes in our life, what will thou have me to do, O Lord? When he is Lord in our life, we are derailed from our previous journey. Now, Otis, notice this also. Poor in spirit is a position that has been richly blessed all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture, we have been brought to the attention when man recognizes that they cannot do it on their, no, on their own. The joy of reading the Word of God is that man confesses he can't do it on his own, and God shows up on the scene and helps mankind through. Judges chapter 6 and verse 15, when the Lord came unto Gideon, he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Here it is, Gideon's stating his case. Who am I? I am nothing. I am nothing at all. I'm not only, I'm not only in the least in the, when it comes to Manasseh, but I'm even the smallest in my father's house. The Lord said unto him in 6.16 of Judges, and the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Isaiah came to the Lord. When in chapter 6, when he goes on, when he makes this confession that I am a man with unclean lips, he makes this confession as one who was poor in spirit. But the Lord looks down upon Isaiah and he says, Isaiah, I have taken away the iniquity of thy lips. Those who run to the Lord with a broken heart, they do not leave with a broken heart. Those who run to the Lord, recognizing that they are nothing, are reminded that they have all they need in him. We don't leave broken. We don't leave defeated. I, I think that that was the point of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 57. I think it's verse 1 or 11. He said, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite 
and humble spirit. You see that? I dwell in the high and holy place with him also, though, that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I dwell on the throne. This is true. But I also dwell with those who are poor in spirit. So that when they're downcasted, I revive them. When, they're in, when their spirit is contrite, I, I refresh them. Even more, this is not just an Old Testament truth. We, we preach through the book of James. James chapter 4 and verse 10 said, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and what? And he shall lift you up. This is an Old Testament truth. It is a New Testament truth. The word of God has time after time, story upon story. You can read all the narratives throughout Scripture and Old Testament and New Testament alike when man or woman have made little of themselves and exalted Christ and exalted the Lord. He has made much of them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's our inheritance. When we will humble ourselves. Now, listen, I'm saying we are saved, it is true. But for even the unsaved, for those who've never humbled themselves, they will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. But for those who are saved, when we go astray, when we get caught up in the affairs of this world, and when our happiness leaves where our happiness is found, when we're, we pursue the things of this world, we find ourselves unsatisfied. If you find yourselves unsatisfied as you're living your Christian life, you're looking for satisfaction in the wrong place. You're looking for happiness in the wrong place. So even more, this is the greatest. I, I love that the Lord starts here. What a masterful preacher. Because he says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is, listen, what the poor in spirit get is something that the greatest military might of all time cannot get. What we get for the being poor in spirit, the greatest intellect of our day could not reason his way in there. Solomon, with all his wisdom, could not negotiate a way into the kingdom of heaven. This is a position for the poor in spirit. The rich cannot buy the way there. But the happy, the reason they're happy is because Christ is their everything. And when Christ is our everything, we recognize that we're living this life with a smile on our face because our inheritance is the kingdom of God. If you think salvation brings you a physical inheritance here, you have an obscured view of truth. Our inheritance, what brings us joy, is that we only have to live, what, 50, 60, 70 years here, and then we get to go spend eternity in a place that he's prepared for us. So happy is those who have humbled themselves to the point where they realize that every bit of happiness or everything that they need to sustain them in this life, they're reaching out to one person alone, the Lord. Help me, Lord. Sustain me, Lord. Satisfy me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And in return to that, the one who is broken, the one who is poor in spirit, will not only be sustained. By the way, 
this doesn't mean that <laughs> when you hear bad news that you're not going to cry. You're going to cry, okay? Definitely. I mean, God made us with these emotions. Now, my wife says I cry too much. I don't know. I thought it's the way the Lord made me. We're, we have emotions. But when he says, blessed is the one who is poor in spirit, it doesn't mean that we're always going to run around happy when you hear devastating news. Like, great, this is great news. My father died. That's not what Brother Pearson did. It hurt. It hurt. But he's here today with a smile on his face talking about onward for ministry because he has reached this place of saying, Lord, I need from you to help me to move forward. We're going to experience troubles, trials, and woes, but the Lord at the, on this great sermon, I mean, th th there's more to even come. This is so rich. But recognize a heart that doesn't want to repent, a heart that doesn't want to give up sin, when you're not happy, it's because you have left the reality of what we're called to be, poor in spirit, in a state of continually asking God for help. And when we get there, we will be the most satisfied because it is a life of confidence that the reason that you do not have what you think you need is because God is saying that you don't need it. And that you can be happy even in this setting. It's true. It's true. And it was preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, I pray that you'll help us as we begin to study the Beatitudes here. Help us as we begin to dive into the truths that's presented in this sermon to us. Lord, may we be humble. May we learn to be satisfied in you and in you alone. May we not be pulled away by the, by the uh, daunting and uh, the flagrant showing of the world, calling the believer to find happiness in something that will bring no happiness at all. Lord, may we... May, may what is said of us here at the Wind Place Baptist Church not be what was said at the people of Malachi. That the people, the preachers and all, they have manipulated truth, they profane truth, pursuing after the things of the world, trying to find happiness. Lord, may we, may we search our own hearts. And you search our hearts, Lord, and show us if there be any wicked way in us. Bring us back to a place where we just wake up like it used to be, just happy to know we're saved. Happy to know that we've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. What a joy this is. What an inheritance that is, that one day we'll be living with you in the kingdom. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. May your name be high and lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen.